Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, hello, and welcome again to Doing It Right, the stories that make us. Today, I want to talk about something we're all interested in, in this world in which we don't know what the new normal is going to be, innovation. You know, it's interesting. I've been asking my clients as I've talked with them throughout this shelter-in-place time, when we go back to work, when you go back to the office, what do you think it will be like? Well, it's been so interesting getting the different answers. And as we talk, every single person has said, we really don't know. Well, today I have an expert with us that's going to talk about innovation and creativity because that's what he does for a living. So I'm just going to introduce this gentleman on my right, Kevin Cummings, and let him tell you a little bit about Kevin, who you work for, and what you do to start with. I will try to do my best. Okay. Uh, so yeah, my name is Kevin Cummings. Uh, I'm the staff writer and editor for North Texas Inno. Um, we're a digital events uh, and media company. Uh, we basically, we've got a daily newsletter, we've got a online website, uh, and we basically focus on tech and startup scene in the DFW area. Um, so we're a company that's from the American Cities Business Journal. So we work kind of side by side with like the Dallas Business Journal, mm -hmm. kind of covering the companies um, as they emerge before they kind of get to the business level of coverage. Um, so we launched actually in September of last year. So we're still fairly new to uh, the area. Um, it makes North Texas American Inno's uh, 14th outlet across the country. So. 14 outlets. Yeah. North Texas Inno, I-N-N-O. That's an interesting name. Yeah, I think innovation. Yeah. Innovation, yeah. of course. <laughs> well, actually, Kevin, that's how I came to have you on the show, because I was talking with um, Ollie Chadnock, yeah. the publisher editor for the Dallas Business Journal, and I said, you know, I want to get someone on the show that can talk about the new up-and-coming people or startups or things that are going on that are really trendy mm -hmm. and trending. And so in that respect, what is the trend in innovation that you're finding? Um, I mean, I guess like one of the, like, the kind of obvious trends is just like you kind of see every every company is kind of like moving into being a technology and like kind of artificial intelligence company. And that's kind of just because with the way things are innovating, you know, software is able to like streamline processes, whether that's in logistics or in just like office management. Um, and then you have kind of the algorithms behind that that kind of help with those efficiencies and processes. So I think kind of overall, one of the big things you're seeing, and I think a lot of small and larger companies will say is that they're kind of everyone is a technology company nowadays mm -hmm. um, so and so <laughs> I hope everyone that is, your question. well it does <laughs> everyone is a technology company i'm not boy have <laughs> i had to learn and i think that's the thing i want to ask you about for those of us and those listening and watching the show we are being forced aren't we to learn so much more about the new apps 
the things we should be on, uh, the Zoom calls. I did a, an interview with one of our Fox News stations, several actually, on what is the new Zoom etiquette. Now we're not going to meetings. We're going to Zoom meetings, right, mm-hmm. Kevin? And asking and, if you can hear me about 20 times. And so, asking yeah. if you can hear me about 20 times, right. And so I, I'll speak for myself. I have had to learn so much about technology, and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So you being a few years younger than I, what would you tell us would be maybe some first steps to just put our toe in the water to be sure we're keeping up with technology? Um, I mean, I write about technology a lot. I would not say that personally I'm the most technologically savvy person, but um, I think kind of what you're seeing in general is like a movement towards kind of apps and the digital sphere being just kind of integrated with our physical world. And so it's almost becoming kind of an extension of that. Um, But kind of what you were saying is like, I I don't think it's possible to keep up with every new thing. I'm Uh, glad you said that. Thank you, Kevin. But I think kind of just having an idea of kind of where trends are going. So, you know, like with Zoom, like you don't have to learn every single video conference app Mm -hmm. that there is, but, you know, at least knowing how to log into something like that, or just kind of I think just managing that, you know, that things are going to be moving more in, online in the digital sphere and just kind of being being aware of kind of like the processes behind it. I mean, I guess like the easiest example I can think of is like my grandmother, like never, she never wanted to get a cell phone. She never wanted to get a computer. And so by the time that, you know, she was like when she passed away, like she wasn't really able to communicate with anyone because, mm. you know, everybody communicates through social media and through email and stuff. And she never learned that. So I, I don't think it's so much like learning every new thing that comes out, but just kind of being aware of trends so that when, you know, something does become like a big thing and everybody switches to using that, you at least kind of are aware of what it is and how it works. Force yourself to learn something yeah. every day. Right? I mean, you if you don't, I think in this day and age, if you don't keep up, like you'll, you'll eventually get left behind. Well, no one gets, wants to get left behind. So talk to us about what you are doing as the editor uh, and, and maybe some of the new startups that you think are the most creative and innovative would be fun to hear about. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like I said, we launched in September, so... For the first like three or four months, I was basically just running around to every event or pitch competition or whatever was going on in Dallas and or DFW really. And mm-hmm. since it's such a big area, big that kind of kept me a little busy. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of it was like, um, and I can't think kind of how like the startup community works is it's all about like having connections and knowing this person who does this or works in this sphere. So a lot of it was just kind of getting embedded in that community. Um, now that we've kind of established ourselves a little bit, um, you know, we kind of start to hear about things like before they happen or, you know, people reach out to us now. So um, a lot of it is just um, kind of highlighting the cool technology and the cool people that are behind it that live in DFW. Cause you hear a lot about, you know, New York, Boston, Silicon Valley, but uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here too. Well, and that's true. We we in Texas have uh, well in in DFW we really have quite a quite a large presence in technology. And tell us about um, maybe one or two companies that you think are doing some really interesting things. Yes, 
I guess, uh, first off, I have to give a plug. Uh, one of our like big features we do every year is um, called Startups to Watch. And so we came up with a list, I think, uh, I think it was December or February of like our 20 startups that we thought were going to be like kind of the ones to watch for the coming year. Um, but uh, I guess kind of some from that list, um, one that really stands out uh, is a company called Canaries. Um, and they basically have a platform that allows um, employers to kind of create diversity inclusion initiatives and then track their progress and kind of see how that stacks up against other businesses that are similar in the industry. Um, And so I think that just like right now with everything going on is super timely um, and interesting. And also um, one of the co-founders, Mandy Price, you know, she's kind of dealt being with being a black woman has dealt with a lot kind of through her professional career. And so that's kind of what inspired her to create the company. Hmm. What's um, the name of it again? Canaries, uh, K-A-N-A-R-Y-S. All right. And um, she actually is one of only 50 black women to raise more than a million dollars in venture capital. Wow. Which, yeah, is a startling number. So She'd be good to be on the show, wouldn't she? I, I think she was in that email I sent. <laughs> she is. <laughs> okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess um, another one that sticks out, we uh, we did our like monthly, we have like a monthly feature that we put out. And the one last month is basically we followed one founder of a company for a month, how they've dealt with kind of the pandemic. And so just checking in yeah. and out um, on a weekly basis. Um and the, the one that I followed, his name is uh, Farhaj Mayan. Um, Say he, that again. Farhaj Mayan. Okay, I will um, try it. And he, uh, he runs a company called Kana. And um, basically, they're like the gig economy. Um, they place workers. If you're familiar with like TaskRabbit, um, so you can like hire workers. But they work for the medical and recreational marijuana industry. So they're based out of here, but most of their work happens in Oklahoma. Um, and he's just a, he's a really interesting person. He's 20, I think he's actually younger than me. Um, but, uh, you know, young. he's, yeah, he started <laughs> his own company. I think this is not the first company that he started. Um, and in the last like month they've been, they've put like, honestly, like I think a thousand people to work, which, you know, during a pandemic with a lot of people like losing their jobs is pretty cool. Interesting. Now, did you say you followed him through the... Yeah, I mean, obviously with social distancing, um, basically we just uh, would have weekly, bi-weekly phone calls and just kind of check in on each other. Like, hey, what's been new? How have you been doing? Because we also wanted to get kind of that personal, mm-hmm. you know, balancing sure. like running a company and also just being a human being. So... Um, what did you learn? What did you learn that he was doing? Um. A lot of it, I think, just came down to honesty. Uh, I think a lot of companies right now like want to say that we have this, and nobody really knows what they're doing right now. And I think like being able to kind of step back and say what you don't know hmm. is a is a big advantage. Hmm. That's very interesting. What's the name of that company? Kana, K A N N A. All right. <laughs> you know, um, why is it that? the millennial generation is so creative? Why is that? That's a tough question. (laughs) Um, I mean, I I think part of it is like mentality. um, And I don't know where that mentality necessarily came from, but uh, I think it 
a lot of it is like mentality. I think, you know, uh, even myself, you see like the younger generation kind of moves around jobs more, um, you know. And that's okay, right? Yeah, and like the, the culture hmm. of a company is more important sometimes than, you know, like the paycheck. So I think a lot of it is is just kind of the mentality of our generation and wanting to pursue something that's more fulfilling rather than just successful or financially better. Um, I think it's that, that willingness to to do what you want to do and hope that it works out rather than, you know, just going along with what you think is right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about that because being in business as long as I have and coaching leaders, one of the things that I'm told is, oh my goodness, it's not easy to be a boss to this younger generation, right? We're quote, so scary. Yeah. You hear that all the time, right? <laughs> well, let's reverse that. What's difficult maybe about working for someone that's been around the block for several decades as a boss? Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of it goes off of that. Um, you know, if you're used to a certain leadership style and that's worked for you for decades and then all of a sudden you're trying to exactly. deal with something that's completely different so i think uh i think that's one of the difficulties is just like getting stuck in a certain mentality and saying like well this has worked so it will continue to work um and i think that just kind of goes back to like what we were talking about with technology and just constantly having to be able to adapt with the new things that are kind of coming up and i think really I think the hardest thing about our generation that I guess like a lot of people don't like understand is that like that wanting that work-life balance mm -hmm. and like it, if the job isn't fulfilling on that level, it could be a good job, a good position, but you kind of need to, to have the whole picture. And so I think that might be some of like the challenges that, you know, the generational divide might have. I like that. That's just called pure authenticity, Kevin. <laughs> I do what I can. There you go. Okay. So for you, let's talk about you and what got you into the work that you're doing anyway. When I interviewed you, you talked about traveling around the world and, and all the experiences that you've had. So just tell us about your background. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of like my career path started with like really bad poetry in high school bad poetry yeah um i hated math and so i was writing music and you know just bored in class but uh my teacher ended up kind of encouraging me to continue along that path um i graduated and then didn't know what i wanted to do so i was like well i'm already doing this so i went to school uh got my creative writing degree i think i'm one of the only people i ever meet in journalism that doesn't have a journalism degree um, you never know where you'll end up. Yeah, so I, I got that. I graduated from Texas Tech. I came back to uh, Plano, where I was originally from, um, and just emailed the editor of the local paper and was like, I, I graduated. I need a job. Um, they hired me on as an intern. So I was an intern flipping burgers and substitute <laughs> teaching uh, for a few months. What were you teaching? Um, just whatever they needed. I was just kind of a fill-in. Um so yeah, then I, I worked for Star Local Media for like two, two and a half years, bounced around most of the papers. I've covered McKinney, Plano, Rowlett, Salina, pretty much everything besides like Dallas itself. Um, and then that guy, that was, I mean, it was 
the hours are rough, like being a, a journalist, you know, things happen sure. and you're like, I got to show up and on Saturday night, like, okay, um, got married. And so, you know, was looking for something a little more stable. Um, and so I ended up teaching for three years in Mesquite, uh, teaching English and journalism out there. Uh, Not getting a journalism degree, but you're teaching right, yeah, journalism. Right, teaching journalism. <laughs> but you're living journalism, so you can teach it for sure. Yeah, so um, after that, um, I wholeheartedly respect teachers. My mom's been a teacher mm, basically her sure. whole life. Mm -hmm. it, it is a tough job, and yes. it can be emotionally draining. And I just kind of got to a point where I realized if I continued, then the only people who are going to suffer are, like, the kids, because my teaching just isn't going to be at the level that it needed to be. So... I realized I need to take a step back. Um, ended up traveling the world for about six months. Um, Just we can, took off, and yeah, we can we can talk about that for a second. But uh, basically, did that uh, took that time to kind of rebuild my portfolio of writing. Um, and then once I came back, I started looking. I really I knew I wanted to get back into journalism. It's what I really liked. So I started looking for jobs around around the area. And this company that hadn't launched yet. Uh, contacted me back and so you know here we are isn't that great yeah it worked out surprisingly well that's wonderful <laughs> well and well deserved good for you yep. if you could do one thing within the job that you're doing all day and get paid for it what would you do um i mean i guess like you know like part of the reason why i wanted to like travel around a lot too is just like i'm really interested in like people and their stories so I guess for me, like the biggest thing is like, I, I just really enjoy like meeting people and kind of hearing, you know, how did you get to this point? Like, or where did this idea like kind of come from? And I just like, I really like the human like aspect of it. So working from home has been pretty much normal, but I do definitely miss that kind of like face to face that we used to have. Well, we're hoping it'll come back. Yeah. Did you learn anything really interesting to share with us when you were traveling for six months? And were um, you alone, Kevin? No. So um, basically, my leaving teaching and my lease at the time coincided with each other. So um, my wife is a freelance journalist or a freelance photographer. So she was able to kind of pick up. Um, and so we decided, like, we're going to take six months off um, and wow. started in Spain, went to Morocco, up through Europe. Um, she has family in London, so we ended up there, um, came back for like a week, and then went to Pakistan for two, okay. two and a half weeks. But uh, I think the biggest thing I've learned is really just that people are like pretty much all the same. <laughs> like no matter where you go, like we do things in different ways and like we might like have like different customs and ways we go about it. But like at the end of the day, like everybody wants to be happy and everybody wants to take care of their family. and that just doesn't really change no matter where you go. I love that. Isn't that true? Yeah. You know? I mean, I, yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is like, even like the more you travel, the more you realize that people are similar. We all have the same needs. Starting yeah. with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. That's yeah. For sure. Wow. What a wonderful opportunity at your age to be able to do that. And hopefully we can all get back on the planes and visit all these yeah. fabulous places. I was actually supposed to be in Mexico City like a week or two ago. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll get you back. I'm sure you'll get back there. Yeah. What do you do to refuel yourself? Um, I mean, it definitely helps. Like, you know, I'm not like quarantined at home alone. I do have my wife. Um, but I would say it's kind of the stuff that I've always done. Like reading has always been something I love. Um, what do you like to read? 
Uh, right now I'm reading a book called uh, The Power and the Glory by uh, Graham Greene, which okay. is about like a... It's about like one of the last like priests in Mexico during their civil war because uh, the communists that were like coming in didn't like priests anymore and so they were like killing them off hmm. um, and it's fiction but that that did happen but uh, mm-hmm. it's about like this priest and his like kind of journey like trying to hide from the the army and oh, all that interesting but yeah it's uh, it's pretty good um, but yeah reading uh, music play with my dogs and take music walks. what kind of music. Um, I mean, I like, I like, I hate to say the be that person, but like, I pretty much like everything except like electronic music. Um, but I play guitar and a little bit of piano. Um, so I do that, take walks, just, you know, calm things because calm. the world is like crazy right now. So things that help slow the mind down. <laughs> uh, don't we all need that, Kevin, for sure. Yeah. So as a writer, and I'm a writer, what kinds of uh, disciplines have you put in place to write as much as you write? And how much are you writing? When you get up in the morning, how much of that day are you spending writing articles? Um, I would probably say about five, five and a half, six hours a day. Because mm-hmm. um, we do have the daily newsletter, which, you know, so that one comes out at three every day. So that one's kind of like a hard deadline at like two to get it over the editor. Um, but I would say we, depending on the day, we average anywhere between one to three articles a day. So quite a bit of writing. <laughs> and is any part of that easier or more difficult for you? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I think that it's like going back to your other question, like, I have to set a schedule mm-hmm. like otherwise like I'm way too scatterbrained to keep things together so um, I have to be like all right I'm waking up you know this first hour in the morning I transcribe an interview I then I have like you basically I just have my schedule of like kind of I don't necessarily know what I'm going to be writing about that day mm-hmm. but I know like where that will fit into what I'm doing so I think really keeping that schedule is is hard but you know, and then sometimes you get breaking news, of course, and it's always at like either right when you have an interview or right at the end of the day. So then <laughs> you get that. But that's the journalism uh, way of life. Right. Well, I mean, it's better than when I was covering like government and local news, you know, and then they make their big announcements at like 5 p.m. on Friday. So, right. right. <laughs> well, for me, I will just say I had to, like you, I had to be disciplined. And I read somewhere that Robert Ludlum, the wonderful Robert Ludlum that wrote The Born Identity and all of those, mm-hmm. I believe it's he that said, you just write every day. Now I'm talking yeah. about writing books, which I'm mm-hmm. doing. It's like giving birth to a baby, I'll tell you, (laughs) and totally different than just writing, writing. But uh, that encouraged me. I thought, well, okay, just write something, even if it's not perfect and it's never going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have those articles where I'm like super proud of it Uh and like did a killer job on that one. And then there's other ones that you're like, you know, but you just got to keep writing and know that like if you're if you're doing it on a daily basis, you're, you're eventually going to end up with some good stuff. So <laughs> and you know what? Do you find that you love it more and more the more you write? Yeah. It, and it becomes mm-hmm. it becomes a little easier. I mean, obviously, working with news, you know, we're sticking to factual stuff. But, you know, you, you get to you can kind of learn like where you can show a little creativity here and there. And so that kind of makes it a little more 
little more enjoyable throughout the day when you kind of like add your little flourish to it. Add your little flourish. So what is your little flourish? What's your style? Um, I mean, it goes back to my background in poetry. So, I mean, whenever I, I have the ability to use, you know, like adjectives or to like describe a scene rather than just like at, you know, this business park or whatever, um, uh-huh. I, I like that. Um, sometimes I'm not going to lie, I do get bored and I throw like poetic meter into some things. But like I don't, what? What does that mean? Oh, like, uh, you know, like Shakespeare's sonnets are written in an iambic pentameter, which is like da 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 da. So just kind of like the the rhythm that it makes. So Uh sometimes I get bored and I'll throw that into like an article, but I don't think anybody ever will catch that or realize. They they don't know that you've done that. Yeah, it's just just something for me. (laughs) Well, I, I think this is fascinating because those of us who write and those who don't write are, are, we've always, we all have to write something. Right. We're writing proposals or we're writing uh, an article and now people are writing blogs. But there really is a creative part to it and there really is a discipline. The other thing though that I want to mention before we get off of the writing topic is another thing I learned from a friend who had written at the time something like 43 books. And I was writing maybe my second or third, I don't know. And, and, and for me, it's not easy. It is not easy to just sit down and write a book. For her, I guess it was. And I asked her one day, I said, how do you do this? I mean, how do you just keep pumping? And they were- It's big. impressive, yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. A little intimidated also. <laughs> and here's what she said, Kevin. She said, it's my gift. And I thought, oh. <laughs> I hadn't looked at it that way. So for her, my point is, it was what she was born to do. Yeah. It's, it just came for her. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. For me, it is not necessarily a gift. I have to work <laughs> at it. So any comments about that? I mean, I, it's like any craft. You're obviously going to have to continuously work at it. Um, but I, I guess I, I, I do kind of agree because it's like, if I wasn't writing news, I would be writing something else. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, I'd, I'd probably be writing just because that's what I've kind of always done. You know, it's your gift too. Yeah, it, the best case scenario, it's like a form of you know a little therapy. So, oh, <laughs> um, that's but, a nice way to look at it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think, I think like anything, you you have you have to have like a passion for something, but mm-hmm. you also have to understand it's like a skill that you you have to work on. You know, yeah. and so I think just kind of figuring that out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. I love this conversation. <laughs> Before I close on this, let me just ask you, who to this point have you really admired in life? Who inspires you? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, blanking on things. Um, I guess, like, honestly, um, I, I have to go back to kind of the, the people that, like, originally inspired me on this whole crazy journey. Um, that teacher I was telling you about, um, mm-hmm. she she was a math teacher, but she just happened to also have a background in creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I ever would have gotten kind of started without that. Um, and just like other mentors that I've had along the way, um, you know, my parents for letting me, you know, get a degree in poetry rather than in like engineering or something like that. Um, and then, honestly, my wife is, is amazing. She runs her own business, so I'm always just impressed by, like, her ability to keep things together and mm. still be creative. What Whereas nice I'm thing. trying to, like, be creative and then hold things together. So. 
<laughs> well, it sounds like you two are well matched. Yes. That's great. So how can we find you? Uh, should the people who are watching or listening want to know more about the publication and the uh, people that you're interviewing that are so innovative? How can we find yeah. you? Um, our website is uh, ntxino, ntxinno.com. Um, and on there, we have like a little newsletter link. So if you want to sign up for our newsletter, that comes out at three every day. Um, but yeah, NTXNO, it has links also to like all of our other outlets. We have uh, Austin, Colorado, some on the East Coast and the Midwest. So really kind of our focus is is going into like the reason why we're not in like, you know, Silicon Valley or something like that is mm-hmm. we don't think we would be adding, you know, a huge value to the ecosystem. So we kind of focus on areas that that have a lot going on, but don't have like a lot of the recognition. So, um, but yeah, it has access to all the content that we've done. None of our stuff is under a paywall. So um, yeah, ntxno.com. That's really, everything. thank you, Kevin. That's really a good resource because obviously doing it right goes all over the country and maybe the world. Yeah, um, and, and so. a lot of the companies that, you know, we write about just because they're based in say like Fort Worth doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not getting funding from, you know, Georgia or something like that. So Exactly, exactly. Well, I'll just add that in reviewing the website and talking with you and talking with Ollie from the Dallas Business Journal, uh, you're doing some really good stuff. And I've written, I mean, I've read what you write and you are a good writer. So well, thank, thank you. you so much for being on the show today. This has been fun. Yeah, no, it's thank you so much. Fun. And for those of you, as we end, don't forget to do something really important. If you're enjoying the shows, I would love for you to hit that red button that says subscribe. It's so interesting, Kevin, and I'm caught doing the same thing. I'll listen or I'll watch a podcast and I too think don't, you know, sometimes I'm in a hurry, but it matters. It it does, it helps. It really (laughs) does. So please uh, subscribe, hit that button and share. And for now, I want to thank you and tell you that I still am offering a free gift for those of you who would like to read an ebook that I wrote about how to live in this disruptive world. It just happened, Kevin, that I wrote that last year and then here we are so i thought you know i'm going to put that up and perfect timing or not perfect i don't don't know how you want to put that well both (laughs) (laughs) and so it is a free gift all you have to do is go to my website valerieandcompany.com forward slash gift valerieandcompany.com forward slash gift and until next time stay authentic Be careful, stay healthy, and just be who you are and live with your strengths and your gifts. That's what life is about. Find your purpose. So here's my Valerieism for today. Pretty simple. Learn something every day. Your brain will thank you. (laughs) You know, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? I think many of us during the times that we're in now are learning a lot online. I, for one, am taking all kinds of webinars. I talk to people every day who are saying, oh, I just learned something from a new course that I found online. And then there are people who aren't. So all I'm going to say is, you know what? The brain feeds itself. There's a whole lot of brain research about what happens when we learn something new. I'm just going to say it's inspiring. It's uh, 
fuels our creativity. You never know when you learn something that you'll be willing or able to share with someone else. So I am serious. Your brain will thank you. Learn something every day. And that's my Valerieism. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.